I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi everybody and welcome to a special bonus episode of Wild Wild Podcast. So for this episode I'd most get an interview with Luigi Cozzi and this has been, well, long-term listeners will know that I uh, asked Luigi about this back in June last year but then I was waiting till we did our Luigi Cozzi season and then that dragged on quite a lot because what well, just did. Um, so anyway, so finally started emailing Luigi and uh, we came down to doing it. So today I had it all ready to go time starting 11 o'clock 12 o'clock in Rome I'd, I'm doing this at work and I'd had to find an empty room and set up a webcam and a microphone I'd got it all set up got everything ready and uh, then for whatever reason Luigi didn't turn up so I waited about 15 minutes I emailed him and eventually I waited and thought oh maybe you know something's happened and I'll arrange it for another day so I put all the equipment away left this little room went back to my office which is a shared office which I couldn't do it there and uh, the first thing that popped up on my email was Profondo Rosso store has entered your Zoom room. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> so I had to quickly run back, find the webcam, find the microphone, find the headphones that I just put away, plug it all back in, in this little room and log in. And so it was a bit of a messy start. So Luigi was then waiting for me, which is funny. So anyway, so that's why you're here at the beginning of the interview. I don't do a proper welcome. I just kind of dive straight in because I'm aware of time and everything like that. But he was very generous with his time. He's very funny and uh, gave lots of great answers. The sound quality is not fabulous because he's just on his laptop in the store. I will include some clips. uh, There's at least one or two video clips that I'll take from the recording and put on our social media feeds if you want to see but yeah, he's just on his laptop, you know, just with his built-in microphone. So the sound quality isn't great, but hopefully it's good enough that you can listen and enjoy the stories uh, that Luigi has about his time working in the Italian film industry and the fact that he's still making films and still planning to make films uh, as well. So do enjoy this bonus episode as a sort of culmination of our Luigi Cozzi season as I take some time to talk with the maestro 
live in his Profundo Rosso store. Well, this is very exciting. Thank you so much for doing this. How are you? Fine. Good, good. Um, how are things at the store? I wanted to ask you about the Profundo Rosso store because you've been running that now for many years. Yeah, it's uh, 33 years. Wow. Quite a long time. And do you get people like me coming in all the time to see you and talk to you about your films? Yeah, quite often, quite often. That that must be really nice that you have fans yeah, who come yeah, to visit. Yeah, I, I love meeting fans. Yeah, well, there there are not many directors who who sit and wait every day for people to come. It's like there. It would be great if all film directors had shops. Well, but <laughs> first I am a fan. I've always been a fan. Yes, and, and then I've been a director. That's true. Yes, yeah, so you started, um, you were always very interested in science fiction. Yeah. And you wrote, you wrote science fiction magazine? Yeah, I edited them, translated books from English, and still work uh, in science fiction. We, we are big fans of your films on the podcast. So I wanted to ask you some questions. Um, First of all, the the killer must kill again. Your Jallo film. Did you did you ever want to make more Jallo films after that? Well, I always wanted to do only science fiction movies. <laughs> okay. As a matter of fact, but uh, people in Italy didn't care about the science fiction producers. Didn't care about sci-fi. So I started working with Jalo, which was the closest thing to sci-fi, mm. in my opinion. Yeah, I I really love the Killer Must Kill Again or the uh, Il Ragno. It's such a good film. Yeah, it. Uh, I I have been working with Dario Argento, you know, writing for Flies on Green Velvet. And when I was offered the possibility of making a picture by myself, I decided to do something different from Davios. So uh, that one key element in Davios movies was uh, the the fact that the, you knew the identity of the killer only in the last scene. Mm. And so I decided uh, to reverse that. And I did show on full screen the face of the killer in the first shot of the picture and work it on from that. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. It's so good. Um, I was very impressed with it. I hope that we get a, uh, a Blu-ray, a restoration, something like that. It's uh, people wanted to do it on Blu-ray in England and in the USA. But uh, the negative, where the negative was stored, it uh, was, uh, it, it disappeared. Oh. So we don't know where it ended. Uh, 
and uh, and we are still uh, trying to get it because there are uh, uh, Blu-ray companies who want uh, who want to publish it. Wow. Maybe they'll find it like they did the Black Cat, which was missing for a long time. Yeah, it was. Uh, also, the Black Cat was was a different story, but it was <laughs> a complicated story too. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it very often is complicated. Yeah. <laughs> so you love science fiction, and obviously we are big fans of Star Crash. Oh yeah. Um, but we we use we use a version of the Star Crash theme as our podcast theme that uh, that my son my son made a, a cover version of it for us <laughs> and uh, and we love star crash um and then you did shortly after star crash you did contamination another science fiction film but was was the problem like you said producers weren't interested in science fiction so even after star crash and contamination was there still not much interest in science fiction? But but you know, Star Crash was made uh, with the uh, American company. Ah, okay. And the Italian producers were not interested. Even afterwards, uh, Star Wars, they were not interested. It uh, contamination was made with the, with with an Italian company because. Uh, or the fact that Star Crash made a lot of money in Italy too, and Alien was making a lot of money too, and so the producer decided to take a risk, but mm. he he wanted to to me to do a James Bond-like movie instead right. of the or the pure science fiction movie, you know. So he had the, to compromise. Yeah, well, it worked. It was good. Yeah, I I went back uh, to my my inspiration. Went back to the fifties movies, uh, the British Quatermass Two, mm. you know, and uh, pictures like that, and it worked. Yeah. Now you're you're sometimes credited as being one of the directors, or that you worked on the Humanoid. What was your involvement with that film? No, I was not involved at all. It, oh. the, the humanoid uh, production company first hired some special effects uh, from America or from England. I don't know. They came here, and after some months of work, they didn't do anything, oh. which pleased the producer. So the producer was in bigger problem difficulty, and. Uh, American International Picture, Sam Harcourt, who was uh, partnering on uh, the Humanoid, mm. said, uh, why don't you get the same people who did the effects for Star Crash? They are Italians. So they went and uh, hired uh, my crew. Okay. Not me. <laughs> Not me. Right. Okay. Yeah. But your um, footage from Star Crash was used in a film which is known as Star Crash 2 or Escape from Galaxy 3. Did you ever see that film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was made by the executive producer of Star Crash. Right. He, he was convinced uh, that using the same shots, space shots, the same shot, he could do, do a similar movie. Hmm. And uh, but I told him, we were friends, but I told him, you are crazy. <laughs> if you don't do 
more effects in the way I did them, you we, you face a disaster. And as a matter of fact, uh, they face a disaster. You know, the picture was released and was a total flop. So they uh, uh, shot other material, sexy material, uh, uh, hard things, and put mm. it on the red light uh, cinema theater. Oh. And right. it was a disaster even there. <laughs> so it was a total failure. And after that, the, the executive producer came to me and said, you were right. <laughs> I should have listened to you. But what, and what did you think of it? Did you mind them using your footage? I was not in control of it. You know, I didn't see it. Uh, I didn't care about it. I, okay. just, uh, I just told them that they were go going to face a disaster and they did. The um, the American woman who stars in that film, Sherry Buchanan, I I tracked her down recently. She lives in Rome now. She was, I think, she was one of the Amazon in my picture, in Star Crush. Oh right. I think I think she was on one of the Amazon. Okay. Girls. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I yeah. It's a very funny film, but it is. Yeah, you're right. It is a disaster. Let's quickly. I want to talk about Hercules. Um, and Hercules and Hercules too. What was uh, what was Lou Ferrigno like to work with? He seems like he was having a good time. He he did have a good time. He was quite uh, filled with enthusiasm. Uh, actually, it was him who decided to do Hercules. Right. Contra uh, Canon offered him uh, a contract for two movies. And he accepted in providing that one of the two was Hercules. Because uh, as a kid, uh, he loved Steve Reeves in the first Italian Hercules. Mm. And he wanted to show himself how Hercules too. And you managed to make the films quite science fiction, like fantasy and science fiction. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course, because, you know, uh, Canon uh, hired me because I made Star Crush, which made a lot of money in the USA. And so they expected me to do something like that. Mm. But uh, it was my my own decision to do a, a science fantasy series, you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, it works very well. and it, it ties in with a little bit with the Superman films, I think. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I was sure that a picture like that worked well with American audience. It did the, it did the small fortune in the USA. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and then you you were called on to rescue the Sinbad film that Canon were doing a couple of years later. Yeah, in the beginning, I was supposed to do Sinbad. I, I, I wrote a screen treatment which was approved and then they asked me to write the screenplay. I wrote the screenplay and I was supposed to direct uh, the, the movie. But then Canon changed their plans, moved the, the project uh, ahead, you know, and, uh, and, and I had to find uh, another work. Right. And, uh, and and I did, 
and when they were ready to do it again, I was busy. And also they partnered with some Italian producer who didn't know me and didn't uh, like me and they decided uh, to do it in different as a vehicle for TV. Right. Any of them knew that Harry Housen Seabal had made millions. They were ignorant. <laughs> my my Simba screenplay was exactly in the Harry Housen band with a lot of stop motion, with a lot of effects. And when they had uh, this script, they decided uh, to take away all the effects and do it uh, old fashioned, you know, with just with fights, which nobody cares in the audience. <laughs> That's my opinion. That was yeah. my opinion, and that was happening. But it, not even the audience did not like that. The producers, Gohan and Grobus, when they saw the picture, they hated it and <laughs> shelved it and decided not to release it for wow. two years. Right. So then um, you you came in and you directed some of that film in the end, or have I got that wrong? Well, what, what happened is was uh, the picture was still lying on the shoulders, un, almost forgotten. Then I happened to meet her casually, occasionally, just uh, Gohan uh, and, uh, and the chief of Italian canon. And uh, when they saw me, one or, or the two said, hey, listen, Luigi, but if we propose you to work again on Simbad, would you do it? I said, but you already made it. And they said, yes, yes, but we hated it. <laughs> Are you ready to re-edit it? And doing a, a lot of special effects in it. And so I said, okay, let, let me show you. <laughs> let me show the, what's, what's the movie. And, and then I uh, tell you, what I think about it. And I said, uh, it was more than four hours long. Wow. Because it, it was made for TV. Right. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I said, uh, as a series, it's impossible to, to do something with it, in my opinion. Mm. But if you accept uh, to get it as a, just a feature, 80 minute features, I think I can adjust it in a way, not totally, but in a way. And they said, uh, yes, okay, th that would be okay for us. And they, and we made the deal and I was put to work on that. The final version of the film, were you, are you happy with how it turned out? The director of cut has been destroyed. Right. Oh. <laughs> been destroyed and, and, and and not uh, kept because uh, they hated it. Right. So I uh, shrank it. Yeah. Uh, I edited it in a completely different way and had to put some voiceover, the, the, the beginning with the book, uh, uh, doing the start of or, or the whole thing. Right. And adding uh, effect, effect special effects where I could insert them on, on the material that, which has been shot 
without thinking to put on it a special effect. Yeah. So it was not an easy job, you know. No, but you you seem to specialize in coming in and fixing problems. You're very you're very good at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but because uh, I always been uh, living in the cinema, you know. First, uh, I was watch when I was uh, since I was young. I even went uh, two three times a day in a theater. Nice. I was mad about movies, you know. So I think I got enough <laughs> experience as a, as a spectator mm. to know what may be good or may be wrong in a picture. And do you still go to the movies? Nowadays, uh, no. Nowadays, uh, I, I think most of the movies made today are, are not movies like I mean them. They are products. Mm. which is a totally different thing. Mm. Uh, I don't even know the name uh, or, or the big directors, you know. you Except for three or four, you don't know any one of them. Mm. They are not uh, allowed to show their personality on the screen. These are movies made by the producers. Right. And what about Italian cinema today? Is, is there an Italian cinema now? No, it doesn't exist anymore. It, uh, in it, Italy, it's almost impossible to do a movie without getting the finance from Italian TV. Right. And Italian TV is interested only in Italian production, which is local, because they, they need local movies. Right. The, the big ones, the big action movies, uh, the, the bigger comedies, uh, other things like that, they do buy them from USA, from France, uh, from, from other countries. Did you did you see the new Diabolic film? I quite liked that. Yes, but I've never been uh, a fan of Diabolic, uh, oh. even <laughs> as a comic, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I didn't care about it. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I only like the uh, Mario Bava picture because it was uh, a crazy movie. Oh, yeah. V very different from Diabolic comics. That's true. Fab yeah, it's fabulous. Um, you So speaking of modern film, your film, Blood on Melier's Moon, um, has just come out on Blu-ray you know, in, in, in America. Um, you mentioned on that disc that you first wanted to make this film with Canon, like back in the 80s. So how would it have been different to the final version? Oh, it was very different because what I wanted to do with Canon was brought on Melier's moon, but it was set in the very years that Melier shot this movie. So I wanted the... Uh, to do a kind of uh, period picture mm. with uh, Melies getting the inspiration for his moon people by the a strange creature which materialized from another dimension on the sets, <laughs> you know, and, and that was uh, quite a different. But when I when I decide to do it in my with my money, you know. Uh, I knew I couldn't do a period picture because mm. it cost it would have cost too much. 
So I changed the story. And you start, you put yourself in the film, and you're very funny. Yeah, yeah, it, you know, it, uh, it depends on the way I shot it, uh, because uh, I decide uh, not to shoot it every day, you know. When you do a picture, you, sh you say six weeks of work mm. altogether. I decided not to do that. I decided uh, we shoot uh, two days here in this place. Then uh, three months afterward, we shot another day in another place. And so uh, I took uh, about uh, two years wow. to do the movie. And uh, obviously I knew I couldn't get an actor at my disposal for two years. <laughs> So I, I decide uh, I'll do it myself. Yeah, well, it's very funny. Uh, I like I like your bow tie. You wear that you wear. <laughs> it's a good look. I try to get fun on me. Yeah, <laughs> but you have made more recently did, your film. I haven't seen um, La Battaglia di Roma. Yeah, that's uh, a, it's that's a, a period docu fiction. Docu fiction. So is that a period film? Have you have you did you have more of a budget for that one? It actually it uh, is an historical movie, mm. which tells uh, what happened in uh, two centuries ago. In, in because Rome was the the first uh, city which uh, created a constitution, uh, which is the basis of the Italian constitution of today, and. Uh, I did work it uh, actually all is historical, mixing special effects, animation, stop motion, every kind of special effect, plus uh, short pieces in period costumes. Yeah. So it's it's a very experimental uh, movie in the way Hercules 2 was experimental too, because I like to experiment. Yeah. And is there any chance that we will get to see that film? Do you think it will get some kind of a release that we could see? It's, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, because uh, it's, uh, it's an episode of the Italian history, you know. Right. So, uh, it's very difficult that abroad, yeah, that's true. Company may be interested uh, into showing it, even if it's a good movie. There is a lot of action in it. Right. But uh, it's very difficult. It's like uh, uh, I wrote uh, Dario Argento's Five Days, which is another historical. Uh, episode uh, of the same period because uh, the the period which I'm I'm talking about started with the, the revolution in Milan which uh, is told in the five days by Dario Argento and ended with the siege of Rome some months later, okay. which is the, uh, the 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 story I tell in this battle of Rome. Right. So it's like a sequel. Yeah. Okay. 
it's a historical sequel. Right. And it, could people buy a copy in Profondo Rosso? Do you do you have the film there? I'm trying to do with 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 the Blu-ray company here in it. Okay. A special Blu-ray or DVD edition of Five Milan of Five Days, Dario Argento Five Days mm. plus my uh, oh, okay. Doku Fiction, two 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 movies. Yeah. Oh, that's a on a single box. That's a great idea. Also, I just uh, just well, we're coming to an end, I think. But um, on the IMDb, it says that you're making a new version of your Dario Argento documentary uh, called Il Museo degli Orori di Dario Argento. Yeah, I've already made it. Right. Okay. So, so is that a documentary about Profondo Rosso, the the store, and the museum? Yeah, in the museum, and it shows uh, behind some behind the scenes okay. of Dario Argento movies, which are inside uh, the museum. Right. Um, I love the museum. I've been down there, I think, three times. Um, it's really fun, and I, that was what I enjoyed seeing the museum in Blood on Melier's Moon. You have scenes down there. As well, is it um, was it a wine cellar or something? It seems very old down there. Yes, very old. It, uh, th this building was built in the twenties of the last century. Right. And uh, where the store is now with these dungeons, actually, it was uh, a store which sold the coal. Okay. Coal in, in that time they used coal. To heat the houses and apartments, you know. Right. And so the, every cell of the museum was actually a cell filled with coal. Okay. <laughs> Came and bought it and bought it uh, ah. away. Wow, it's very atmospheric down there. I, it's it's really great. I recommend if anyone is ever coming to Rome, they have to visit. Um, could I just ask you finally about your friendship? So we've, obviously everyone knows about your friendship with Dario Argento, but you did. You were also friends with many other Italian directors as well. And one of my favourites is Antonio Margheriti. And did you know him well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was very, very friendly with him. You know, it. I knew him. Uh, in the middle of the 60s. Oh, wow. When I was a journalist and I wanted to interview him. And when I came to Rome, I, I went back to him. And uh, he, he asked me to write something, some story for, for his, because he wanted, you know, at about uh, uh, the year 70, just the 70, he, want, he was uh, going to do uh, a picture with Dean Jones, the Walt mm. Disney, the Love Bug uh, yes. main character. Uh -huh. And uh, he uh, hoped uh, to, make, to turn it into a big hit and to be able to produce movies. He wanted to start a kind of fantasy factory. Right. So... To me, he asked to write him a story. I did write him a story. He liked it. 
and uh, and was willing to do it uh, soon after this uh, he finished shooting the the Dean Jones movie, you know. But right. what happened was that uh, the Dean Jones movies was a disaster at the box office. <laughs> There's uh, Mr. Super Invisible. Yeah. Yeah. That was a total disaster. Mm. And uh, he, he had a lot of problems, money problems. He told me, I met him uh, just one month before he died uh, again. And he told me he had just finished paying back his debts. And he oh, died no. in the thousands. <laughs> yeah, that's a shame. Yeah. But he was a very important director for Italian science fiction. Yeah, yeah. He, he did start uh, the, the, the big venture with the Spaceman. Yeah. That, that was a very daring move for his time. He, he mm. loved that kind of thing. He was very good at uh, working with models and miniatures. Yeah. Yeah, it was fabulous. Can I ask you, thank you so much for doing this. Can I ask you finally, are you making any more films now? Do you have something that you're planning to do next? Well, I I was willing to do it. Uh, I, I, after Brother Mendes Moon, I've done The Little Wizard of Oz. Yeah. That was not an original idea by mine. Uh, they... Offering me to do, to do a, a movie in a school right. <laughs> with children, and so and so I had to, to find out something which could fit yeah. that proposal, and I did that one. And uh, after that, I done the Battle of Rome, and after that, COVID came, mm. so everything was blocked for a couple of years. Yeah. And I, and I would like to do something, but uh, it's uh, very difficult to be original. Yes. I always want to change, not to repeat myself. Mm. Uh, if you see my filmography, you see that uh, I've done a lot of genres. Yeah. In my way, our way, but a lot of genres. And uh, now I'm finding it difficult to find something which I have not done before, you know. Mm. Uh, I could do a Western, but a Western now don't make sense to make a Western, you know. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm looking for a, a right idea. I have a few ideas, but uh, they haven't grown enough. Yeah my story to, to convince me to, to work into it so i don't know well i'm sure i'm sure whatever it turns out to be it will be something that will be worth us you know be worth watching something we can look forward to whatever it is <laughs> i thank you for this word but this is what i want to do every time i start working on a movie you know to do yeah. something different from what has been done before in that kind of movie. Hmm. Yeah. Well, good luck. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for agreeing to do this interview. And if anyone's listening who hasn't been to Rome, you must go to Rome and go and visit Profondo Rosso. It's like a pilgrimage. 
everyone has to go and you can buy books and DVDs and Blu-rays and T-shirts. You can meet Luigi. You can go downstairs into the, the museum. It's just, it's a must visit. Okay. I wait okay. for you all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, grazie mille, Luigi. Grazie a voi. Grazie a voi. Thanks again to Luigi Cozzi. I'm so grateful that he took the time to talk to me and I hope you were all able to uh, enjoy that and, and hear what was going on. Okay, there were a couple of times during the conversation where he had to go and help customers or um, the phone started ringing at one point, but uh, it was really great to talk to Luigi. After we'd had that conversation, he sent me a couple of emails, which I just wanted to read to you, um, which you know just reinforced to me how he's the nicest man alive. So I'd sent him some questions, which, and then he emailed me with answers to a couple of them that we didn't get to in the interview. Um, he mentions that there is a DVD and Blu-ray with both of his Hercules films and his re-edited version of Castellari, Sinbad. It would be really fascinating, wouldn't it, to be able to watch the four-hour version of that, but he said that's lost. So anyway, he also emailed me to say the best cinematographer that he's ever worked with is Pasquale Riccini, who did Black Cat, in 1989 and the Argento TV series Terno di Notte or Night Shift in 1987. I also uh, I replied of course and I said that I was grateful for that and I'd meant to ask him in the interview what did he think really happened to Louis Le Prince um, who mysteriously disappeared um, and is credited with being the inventor of film basically. Um, and this is part of his story in Blood on Melier's Moon. So he replied to say, I read an article a few years ago on an Italian leading newspaper about the Le Prince mystery. If you look up his name on Google now, you'll find other articles about this man, his invention, his mysterious disappearance, and the murder of his own son. It seems that Le Prince, after leaving to go to Paris, where he never arrived, had already booked a ship to New York in order to prove in the New York Tribunal that his invention had been patented before Thomas Edison had patented his own similar camera projector. This meant that Edison had no right to claim a percentage on every movie made in America. Um, so it was a million dollars worth trial. There are strong suspicions that Edison did not want Le Prince to reach New York. Years later, Le Prince's son went to New York investigating about the death of his father and in his last letter to his mother he wrote he was soon going to get the final truth about the murder of his father, but a few days later he was found dead, killed by a gunshot. His murderer has never been found. So Edison could go on earning millions of dollars and the Lumiere brothers were considered the inventors of cinema, while the incredible story of Le Prince had almost been totally forgotten. Which, you know, that would make for a pretty great story, wouldn't it, in a film? Uh, maybe Luigi's next movie could tackle that one. Anyway, so I just wanted to mention that as a postscript to the interview that he uh, he did contact me and we had a brief conversation. But again, thank you so much to Luigi Cozzi, Lewis Coates, for taking the time to talk to the Wild Wild Podcast. And thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back with a next episode in our uh, post-apocalypse season soon. If you want to contact us, all our contact details are in the show notes. Uh, we're on Twitter, we're on email, uh, all that stuff. Instagram as well. 
that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, right. I've been Adrian. Uh, thank you for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.